0: Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's LawCast. My name is Martin Holmes, Partner and Head of Market Strategy for Property in the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Jonathan Bingham, a Partner and Head of our Property Recovery Team, is joined by Andy Drinkwater, a Chartered Civil Engineer, to discuss how to pursue a recovery for property damage following a flood. Hello and welcome to the second part of our podcast on flooding causes prevention and recovery. In this part, I will continue with my discussion with Andy Drinkwater, focusing on the subject of recovery. So, uh, when when a property is damaged by a flood, often in the majority of incidences, this is attributed to an exceptional weather event which couldn't have been avoided. However, there do need to be inquiries made to see if there is a party responsible and those costs could be recovered. In other words, these costs could be recovered from someone else, another party who could be liable, for example, in breach of statutory duty, nuisance or negligence. Now, one of the challenges that you have as an expert is whether there's sufficient evidence or data for you to prepare a report and reach some conclusions. What are the common problems that you encounter here?
1: Thank you, Jonathan. One of the common problems is actually having sufficient data to actually assess what actually happened. Um, I've come across cases before where people have said, oh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so got flooded, and they said it's because of the following reasons that the neighbour across the road or the farmer down the road doesn't keep his ditch clean or something else happens. Or the council, they never keep their road gullies clean and we've complained about it, but they've never done a thing about it. And I say, well, okay, um, where have you got the evidence of this? Um, do you have evidence of actually contacting the council or contacting the farmer? Do you have photographic evidence of what the ditch was like before the flood? Do you have evidence, photographic evidence during the flood? Um, well, not really. Yeah, yeah, I've got a picture of the flood here, and it's a picture of the house being w- with water in. it So Well, okay, we know you can't flood it, but where is the evidence of where it came from? Do you have any pictures of the road gully with the grass growing out of it as you said it was? Uh, do you have any pictures of the, the, the ditch which was full of branches and twigs before the storm occurred? Uh, oh no. But, it, it, but that was the case. So can you not just write a report to say that was what the problem was? <laughs> not really. No, I, I need some evidence. Um, or you get, oh, it was a very heavy storm and that caused it. Well, when, what time of the day was the storm? Oh, I don't know. It was, it was after breakfast, but it was before about three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, that's not narrowed it down too much. Yet on other occasions I actually get people coming to me and saying I've got all this information here. The storm occurred at quarter past two in the afternoon and so and so recorded it. Uh, and they knew it occurred at this time and by four o'clock it had all gone. And we've got pictures here of, of, of it arriving. We've got pictures of the flood at the uh, when it was uh, at its peak. And we've got pictures of what actually happened after. Oh, and we've also got pictures of what the road gully looked like and the fact that they'd not cleaned the roads for a long time. Oh, and we've also got pictures of the ditch and what a condition that that was in. And I've got found some historic pictures from 10 years ago when the ditch was kept clean. And you can go on like this and you think, great, this is fantastic information. Oh, and I found Mr Jones next door. And he, and he can tell you, because he was actually... um coming back home when the flood started and saw the flood coming down the road. And he can tell you what he saw. And, you know, Fred blogs from up the road, uh, who walks his dog, he was walking his dog when it started, and he can tell you as well what he saw. And you get this fantastic information that you can start to put together. Um, And given that you've got the time of the storm, roughly, you can then go onto the Met Office websites and narrow it down to a certain storm. Uh, and what you also may have is some correspondence with the local authority as to what what they did or did not do or some correspondence with the local maybe the parish council as to what did they do or not do and what have they been in contact with the farmer etc so sometimes you can have really good information that really helps you but other times you've got little information at all and what I would say is that if it takes two or three months to get the information, get the information. Don't just come to me immediately and expect some kind of a magic wand from me to be able to work out what happened. Uh, but get the information, as much information as you can. Okay, you'll never get everything because that's not the way things are. But get whatever you can and it will make, make my life easier. I will then be able to go back to my instructor solicitor and say well I've got most of the information there's a bit of a gap here can we in any way find out what happened with regarding this bit and they'll go away and come back oh yes I have one of the neighbours can fill this gap in as to what happened here and so it's really getting sufficient information is very important.
0: Now there are particular challenges as well when you're trying to get hold of this information So you've talked about things like photographs and and obtaining um, evidence, verbal or witness evidence of different people. But what areas can be more difficult to get information on?
1: One of the areas, if you suspect that the problem is a blocked road drain or a blocked sewer, then... You've got to be reasonably specific back to the local authority or the water and sewage company uh, to ask for that information. If you just go to the local authority and say, I want information on what you did in the drains in this area, uh, they will come back and say, well, and they may come back and say, that's too much information, that's not reasonable for us to give all that. Or they will give you a lot of information about everything and anything most most of which will be totally unintelligible. If you go back and say, I want the information on the drains outside certain two or three houses. And by the way, these are the road gullies I'm interested in with photographs of them. Uh, these are the ones I believe there may have been a problem. And it's between the 10th of August and the 9th of September. And can you give me the information on when you cleaned these road gullies previously, etc.? That's quite specific and should be able to get back to you if they have actually cleaned them. Likewise with uh, water and sewerage companies. Don't... If you say to them, I just want the information on when you cleaned the sewers in the area, uh, you may get all kinds of information (laughs) back. But if you say, well, I believe that the problem was caused by the fact that the water couldn't get away from the road outside my house, which is such and such, and... That must be drained, and I know that's drained by some combined sewers in the area, uh, because I'm aware where the manhole covers are, and I'm also aware that in heavy rain, I've seen water gushing out of a few manhole covers, which suggests there's maybe a problem in the area. And I've seen this on the following dates. Um, That becomes quite specific for the water and sewerage company to get back to you. So try and be as specific as possible that will help the local authority and the water and sewerage company and it will also stop the excuse of it was a very general inquiry we didn't quite know what you were asking for so be as specific as possible
0: yeah and one, one, one typical response is that it was an extreme event with a particularly high level of rainfall and that's quite a common reaction uh, when, when a claim is potentially brought, arising out of this. what What's your thoughts on that and how uh, viable that response is? I've
1: seen that claim many, many times, usually from loss adjusters, whether it's a local authority or a water sewage company loss adjuster, saying, it was extreme rainfall, what could you expect? It was very heavy rain and that's what caused the problem. And I then go on to Met Office... Uh, weather information and I find yeah there was a heavy storm it's the kind of storm that occurs uh, four times a year or it's a kind of storm that uh, you may see three times in five years well okay it was heavy and you wouldn't want to be walking the dog in that rainfall but it wasn't exceptional Um, and the system should have been able to cope with it if on the other hand the storm was a storm of 25 millimeters in an hour or maybe a storm that occurs once every 10 years or once every 15 years or something like that, then that's maybe a case where the rainfall was the reason. But just because, oh, it was a very heavy storm and that's what caused the flooding. Well, yes, the heavy storm was necessary for the flooding to occur. But it's a heavy storm that occurs three times in a year. That shouldn't have caused the flooding. Something else was going on as well so it's a very much overused thing about the heavy rainfall. It really is
0: yes absolutely um and another quite often with these type of claims there's there are multiple parties involved yeah and potential um parties to to look at um particularly for example, in terms of contractors where we've got contractors involved in working on drainage or other um, developments that they're, they're, they're undertaking. What are the typical issues that you find when you're looking at the involvement of contractors?
1: Right, well, there is there are new build properties, and I'm not just talking about houses here, I'm talking about large properties or commercial-type properties. Then there's often an argument as to well, did the architect specify the drainage correctly? Did the engineer advise the architect on the correct specification for the drainage? Or was it the the contractor that did not put the drainage in correctly? Or did the contractor subcontract the drainage to somebody else because they are mainly a structural contractor? So you've got to go through the exercise of working out, well, what was actually specified um, for this building? Who was responsible for the drainage? Was it the architect? Was it the engineer? What did they actually design? What did they specify? Or if it was a design and build from a construction company, what did they ask the construction company to do? Uh, That's always a first start to look at things. Um, I've also had cases where people have been asked to build houses in a certain place And I've been told to, well, also do the drainage design, do the foul drainage design, and do the surface water drainage design from the property alone. The fact that you've got quite large surrounds to the property have not been taken into account uh, because it was, well, we designed the property. We were asked to design the property. Uh, We weren't asked to look at the surrounding areas. Well, who was? well nobody seems to have been um our cases well we were asked another case we were asked to design the property we did uh, what we did was fine um but nobody actually asked us to look at the issues of if the sewer surgised in the area would it come back into the basement of this property and you think well isn't this fairly obvious but you then look at the contract conditions of what the architects or the engineers were asked to do. And you then start to think, ah, well, there's actually gaps in this here. Uh, Nobody seems to have thought about this particular problem. So what you do find is in new build properties, there are so many different parties involved. It can be quite take quite a long time to get to the bottom of it. Another one you find in multiple causes is, where you're never sure whether the cause is the highway drain or the water and sewerage company with their sewer or is it the uh, is it the farmer with his ditch all three are in the area now which one flooded into which other one and trying to work out well who flooded first into and who overwhelmed who was it the ditch that overwhelmed the highway drainage system and did then that flood and it got into the foul sewer system it can be quite difficult sometimes working out what the chain of events was
0: Hmm. yeah there can be many complex elements in in causation and one thing that we will come on to do in in a future podcast is look at the legal issues around causation particularly where there are multiple parties involved um another area that can be a particular difficulty is where you've got neighbour disputes and we've all been involved in those over the years and they can be very challenging what, what's your experience in dealing with these different conflicting um, interests between neighbours
1: neighbour disputes there can be a nightmare um, I would say the first thing is to put on your tin hat and flat jacket when you go and visit places <laughs> it's, it literally is <laughs> what you find is that there's quite often neighbours are so Uh, are so intent on getting one over their neighbour because they believe their neighbour caused the problem Uh, and I'm going to nail them because they did this to me. (laughs) When very often it's more to do with heavy rain or the fact that the ditch hasn't been kept clean or something. So you find common sense and cooperation between neighbours goes out of the window (laughs) and then getting permission to go to the other neighbour to see, get their alternative point of view as well, and trying to be a diplomat while you're doing this. Uh, it, it can be quite difficult sometimes. And I ha- did have a case a number of years ago where someone in an old cottage blamed the next door farmer because he converted a barn into a, into a property and this person was convinced that it was the farmer's conversion of the barn that had caused the problem. In fact, it wasn't, because the barn conversion was just the conversion of some old buildings with the same surface water area uh, before and after. What had actually happened the person in the garden, the person had reorganized the garden and had put some, had basically altered the levels in the garden, and in doing so had damaged the surface water drainage under the garden. So it was their problem. They'd caused it. But what they saw was, oh, the next door neighbors had a barn converted into a house. It must be their problem Uh, and just saw that as the connection. When I looked into it, I realized that the garden had been terraced. Some areas had been dug out, some had been built up, and the excavator doing this terracing had actually damaged the, the surface water drains. Uh, And that's a typical example of the kind of things you get. Um, But generally, neighbour disputes are quite difficult to actually get to the bottom of.
0: Yes, I I think the expression "quite difficult" is very apt, Andy. It can be be very, very difficult. All concerned. (laughs) Yes, for everyone, lawyers, experts, people involved, insurers—very difficult. Yes. Um, In conclusion then, as we grapple with the consequences of climate change, the frequency, severity and costs of flooding events are likely to rise. Responding to this requires meaningful collaboration and collective solutions between the government, insurers, local authorities, lead local flood authorities, highways authorities, developers, landowners, communities and the Environment Agency, just to name a few. Um, So and quite often there can be recovery opportunities But there are many complexities involved in determining causation with multiple parties, different levels of responsibility, and obtaining the right amount of information and evidence is absolutely critical. In a follow-up podcast, we'll look into the legal issues arising from flooding claims. All that remains for me is to thank you very much to my guest, Andy Drinkwater, for his time and insight from an expert perspective into all of these issues. So thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our latest Property Lawcast. There will be more episodes in the DAC Beechcroft Lawcast series, so watch this space. If you require any further information, please don't hesitate to contact me on mhomes at dacbeechcroft.com or 0117 918 2072.